listener production. I had an overachieving parent fail the other day. Lockie had to give a class talk on his favourite book character. He chose Willy Wonka. And I worked with him on the speech so hard. I wrote out his palm cards and I came up with this great idea that he could plant golden tickets in some of the kids' desks and do a big reveal at the end of his talk. Now, I could see that he wasn't too sure about this and my husband was in the background giving me one of those raised eyebrow looks, but I really felt that this was his time to shine. The next morning, I couldn't find the tickets anywhere and after working myself into a lather, Lockie finally confessed that he'd thrown the tickets away because he thought it was a bad idea. I cracked it, he burst into tears and then after I dropped him off, I just sat there and I thought... What the hell am I doing? He's in year two. I've just ruined both our days and for what? For some golden bloody tickets and a good mark in his talk. This is Healthy Her with Amelia Phillips. Kids' anxiety levels are on the rise. Us parents are stressed. We're exhausted. We're guilty. Yet, we have more access to information and support than ever before. What is going on? Could it be that we have raised that parenting bar just a little too high? Could this hyper-parenting be blamed for the lack of resilience and the entitlement that we see in some of our kids today? Dr. Susie O'Brien has a strong theory on this. For the last 19 years, Dr. Susie has been writing about parenting and social issues for the Herald Sun. She has a PhD in education, appears weekly on Channel 7 Sunrise, and has recently released the book titled Half-Assed Parenting, Raising Kids with Half the Guilt and Twice the Joy. Susie, you sound like just the woman I need. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on Healthy Her. Thank you so much. Now, you and your hubby have five kids in your blended family. Tell me, what was your inspiration to go half-assed and to write this book? Well, I think I've probably been half-assed for years, but (laughs) I, I really understand that thing about the golden tickets. Like, how many times have our kids been doing homework and you watch them and they've got to do a poster and they get an A4 piece of paper and a lead pencil and they draw some pathetic little diagram and you say, where's the poster board? Let me get out the crayons. Let me get out the paints. I know, I've got a great idea. And they look at you and they say, Mum, this is my homework, not yours. You think, well, there's something wrong with that. I could do a better job than you. Come on. (laughs) So I think (laughs) I really get that homework thing. And I remember my son, I've got a 12-year-old, and a couple of years ago they had to do a planet from the solar system for their homework. And his was, he chose Uranus because, of course, he did. Yes, hilarious. It ended up being this brown kind of misshapen, mispainted, paper mache sort of ball. But I noticed when I was dropping him to school that day, there were some parents with not just one planet, but the whole solar system. And they basically had to go in sideways through the school gate to fit it in. And you think these days, so many of us, you know, we're over-parenting our kids. We don't say no. We take photos of every damn inconsequential thing that they do. We stop talking so they can say whatever it is they need to say. 
and we do their homework for them because we think they're not going to do a good enough job. And so I wrote this book because I think something's got to give in modern parenting. Well, I mean, you've been on the cutting edge for the last 19 years, you know, writing and researching and recording all the trials and the tribulations that us parents have to go through. What do you think some of the biggest culprits are that make us feel so stressed as parents? Well, you know, I think social media is a massive issue because I'm pretty sure when my mum was raising me in the 70s and 80s, she didn't really care what anyone thought about her parenting. And if they dared to express an opinion, they could probably go get stuffed. Whereas these days, social media turns parenting into the most effective, competitive sport And it's the easiest way to see how everyone else is doing an amazing job and how we are just flailing around. Mm. And, you know, there's just so much on social media, you know, hashtag blessed. And I think, oh, my God, hashtag full of crap. (laughs) You know, we've got all these social media mums and they're basically turned parenting into a full-time social media exercise. And they say... You know, your contribution to the universe isn't something you do, but someone you raise. And I think, well, my contribution to the universe is raising kids who aren't dickheads. And that's because they don't have a mother who's socially insecure and makes them pose with kale and avocado cupcakes that match their $500 T-shirts. You know, the only time my kids have food that matches their shirts is when they spill something down the front. (laughs) And you know what? Social media mums, I'm so sick of it. I don't care about retaining my sensuality or finding my femininity. I care about retaining my sanity and finding my daughter's mouth guard because it cost me 120 bucks. <laughs> so I say it's time to stop following people on social media who make us feel worse about what the job we're doing as parents. And can I just throw in there that the people that are posting those things aren't doing it to make us feel bad. They're not sitting there with this evil cackle going, ha, 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 here you go, half-assed parents, I'm going to make you feel like crap. They're actually feeling really proud of it. So I also want to say in defence of those women, it's not their fault per se, but it's just the barrage of it, I think. And I don't think that there's this massive amount of of parents who are judging each other the way we think they probably are because Mm. all the mums putting those amazing things on social media probably get up feeling like crap at the beginning of the day and presenting this sort of, even if it's a bit false, image of their parenting on social media Mm. might be just helping them get through the day and we have to not get sucked into their vortex and we also just have to say, I'm just going to take you as you find me, find you, and you can do the same to me. And, you know, the mums at school pick up or school drop off, you know, with the two times you pants and the beautiful thigh gap and, and the perfect hair, they're not looking at me thinking, you middle-aged dad. They're looking at me thinking, I hope she doesn't realise that I got these pants out of the dirty clothes basket and I've been wearing them for three days straight. You know, we have to assume that other people are feeling the same way as us. And that woman with the thigh gap doesn't want to judge me and put me on a diet. She is hoping that I'll invite her around for a coffee and maybe it'll turn into a champagne. So I think we have to see people not as competitors and enemies but as friends because we're all in it together. Mm, And look, a lot of the time 
you know, the enemies are ourselves as well because we put these unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And I think that, you know, we, we have these unrealistic expectations and these goals. And what that can cause is us to just be so in our heads all the time. And you see that with helicopter parenting. Now, tell me your thoughts on helicopter parenting. How would you define a helicopter parent? Because there's shades of grey, obviously. (laughs) Well, you know, the teachers all know the helicopter parents because they're the ones at the school every single day knocking on the, the classroom door, wanting to manage their kids' friendships, wanting to know why they got a certain grade and not a higher grade. They are looking through everything that their kid posts on social media. They're analysing every single thing that those kids do and they don't have any time just to be kids because the parents are hovering over them. And, you know, I understand it because so many of us are working more now than ever and so the time we spend with our kids is so precious. But what's happened is that the measure of parenting these days has become how hands-on you are. Mm. So if you just let your kids be and you don't see them much on the weekend and they do their own thing, then somehow we feel like we're failing. If we don't offer them a range of non-stop activities that are curated by us and chosen by us and all the playdates we line up for them and all the parties we throw for them, the idea is that more is better. And I'm actually saying to people, let's do less. Let's work less if we can. Let's do less around the house and let's do less parenting. And it doesn't mean to, and that's where half-ass parenting comes in, it doesn't mean to drop your standards and, you know, let neglect the kids or give them less love. Mm. It means less of the time-consuming, competitive, boring stuff that isn't making them or us happy. It can be hard for a parent, particularly a helicopter parent, to let go of some of those things that you mentioned. How would you suggest a helicopter parent? And I have to say, I think I might fall in the category of that. I would like to say that I don't because in many ways I'm very freestyle, but then I, you know, (laughs) I do (laughs) talk to the teacher probably a lot more than other people do. What's a first step in the right direction of letting go of that helicopter parenting and hyper-parenting attitude? The first step is to look at what we do in a day and see what could go by the wayside without anyone suffering in any way Mm -hmm. and reassessing how we're spending our time. I mean, people have been saying to me since I've been promoting this book for about the last six months or so, Mm -hmm. they ask me all these questions like I'm the font of all wisdom (laughs) Um, and they say, oh, do you think my kids are doing too many activities? And I say, I don't know, do you think they are? If you're asking the question, then you probably think they are. So reassess how many activities your kids are doing. Mm. Perhaps it's the thing that's making them the happiest or it could be something that you're spending your whole weekend trying to find their mouth guard, trying to find their soccer boots, trying to remember what team there is in as you're hurtling yes. down the highway. Oh my thinking that you're Just trying to work out what primary Saturday. school. <laughs> yeah, trying to work out what primary school. I mean, I've had so many times where we're downloading the app as we're driving to the event and you've got to remember your login, your pin, oh. what team they're in because it's brown XY um, <laughs> 57G under 12s. And you think, oh, I, you know, it becomes a chore. And the thing is kids don't see a lot of those activities as play. They don't necessarily even see them as fun. And so maybe something like that is is what can give in, in your family. Or parents are saying to me, 
oh, do I need to cook from scratch every night? Mm. And I say to them, if it's making you happy and it's filling them with joy, then go for it. But if you're finding that you don't have time to have a bubble bath or see your friends or have a proper conversation with your partner at the end of a night because yeah. you're still moolly grating the soup or whatever it is, <laughs> spiralising the zucchini um, <laughs> and starting to prepare tomorrow night's dinner from scratch, then perhaps that's something that can give in your family. Yeah. Let's talk about guilt for a moment. Guilt is described as a mismatch between reality and desire. So you're scrolling through Instagram and you see the perfect clean mummy blogger's house and you desire that. The reality of your house is very, very different. And guilt can be such a common trap for parents. How do we ditch the guilt? I think, as I say, that guilt is really a mismatch between how we want to raise our kids and how we think others want us to raise our kids and the job that we do on a day-to-day basis. And I think what we have to do is let go of other people's expectations and other people's standards because they're not inside your house and your family. They have no real idea Mm. about the constraints that you're parenting within. And you know what else? They don't really care. We're assuming that everyone is around standing by to judge us and "Mm, tut, 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 oh, I've seen those pants before (laughs) or "Mm, that's a a cupcake that isn't homemade. (laughs) You know, some of it is so ridiculous. I was on my kids' school kinder committee for years and every year we had a a bake sale, you know, a a cake stall to raise money on the open day. And Every year we issued the list of what you had to bring, what you had to do. Mm-hmm. It was four pages long. Oh, my and I And I, I look back in absolute agony thinking what I put other parents through <laughs> because you had to bake it from scratch. It couldn't have, have nuts. BPA yep. and soy and nuts and, and gluten and all the rest of it. <laughs> and I think, they, you know, some mums who had been up all night with a newborn or whatever, the last thing they needed was from someone like me, some other mum who should be on their side, telling them that they had to walk through the gate that day with a picture-perfect lot of cupcakes when, in fact, buying something from the 7-Eleven and, you know, roughing it up, roughing up the edges (laughs) would probably do... laughed in your book when you said not to stress about the fact that your child's first words were bluey rather than mama. (laughs) But in reality, we know that too much screen time is bad for kids. So I'm trying to kind of work the balance between being half-ass, but also, you know, there are some areas that we do need to improve on. How are you suggesting we walk that line? Every single person I know deals with the screen issue in a different way. And I think it's probably fair to say that there are quite a lot of kids out there who do spend too much time on screens. And it's, again, along with food and activities, it's one of the biggest issues that parents Mm. raise today. Yeah. Is my kid spending too much time on the screen? And if you're asking that question of yourself, then it's probably the answer is yes. And, you know, there are times when screens are an absolute lifesaver. And I think one of the messages is that 
we know when it's okay. Mm. And if you're in yep. a long car trip, hand them that iPad and let them go crazy. But, you know, if it's a two-minute trip to the supermarket, then maybe they can stay off the screen for, you know, a couple of minutes so you can get round the aisles. But we have to stop judging each other for the way that our kids use screens and also not to be afraid to say no to our kids. I think we've got to the point where kids have become so good at throwing the tantrum when you take the iPad off the two-year-old that parents have stopped trying. And we have to reimpose the boundaries on our own kids. And it's like I say, it's not for me to say we when you need to take the iPad away or whatever, but there has to be boundaries because otherwise kids will stop playing Minecraft in 2026 <laughs> because they spend so many times saying, oh, one more game. Oh, I'm not out yet. Just a minute, mum. I'll be at dinner in a minute. Mm. And, you know, it's like the game never ends. These games never end. So each of us has to have the courage of our own convictions and not be afraid of our kids, not be afraid to turn off the Wi-Fi, to put the devices in our boot and lock the car, <laughs> to, <laughs> to just say no. Let's talk about entitlement. This is a topic that really fascinates me. You believe that we've actually got an entitlement epidemic going on at the moment. Thanks to a generation of children who don't hear that word, no, enough. <laughs> Describe what you see as entitled kid and how do we ensure that we're not raising one? It is so, so hard. And, you know, we're giving participation medals for kids just turning up these days. And <laughs> I really was um, prompted to write this book because I had one of those aha moments, a bit like your golden ticket moment. Yeah. And my son was doing soccer and he wasn't even, he hadn't won a match or anything, but they just came to the end of term and they were lining up and they were getting medals just for turning up. And they, all they had to do was turn up and do an hour each week of soccer skills, not even play a game, yeah. and they got a certificate and they got a medal at the end of term. And I remember sitting there and one of the other parents said to me, oh, do you want me to take a photo of your son? I can tell you're really busy. And I thought, I'm not going to take any more photos <laughs> of my son. I'm so over taking photos of every minor thing that happens in his life, like recording this, everything that happens for posterity. And it made me realise, like talk about entitled, made me realise that actually we need, the parents need the participation medals. Oh, yes, And please. so this book is my participation medal for parents. <laughs> so the things that we need to start giving parents medals for, like top effort for finding my library books under my bed, even though I told you I'd already looked there. <laughs> <laughs> or thanks a bunch for remembering Bastille Day and drawing me a moustache with your favourite eyeliner. <laughs> or how about this one? You're a hero for remembering footy tryouts and making me get off the PS4 even though I told you I didn't want to go. And thanks heaps, Mum, for helping me not kill anyone while I was on my oil plates. So oh, I, <laughs> I think, love it. you know, we, we feed this entitlement in our kids because mm. we worship everything they do. And we stop our conversations to listen to their, you know, minorest of utterances. You know, that is actually my pet hate and jeepers, I try not to do it. But when I'm talking to a <laughs> mum and their kid is just banging on their arm and they just stop mid-conversation and start talking to the child, I feel like bending down to that child and saying, excuse me, do you see that your mummy is in the middle of a conversation right now and you are being very rude? <laughs> 
I do say it to my kids, but um, <laughs> you just, and as a parent, it's kind of like the frog in boiling water analogy. You don't realize that it's happening because you've just been in this hyper parenting mode for so long where your child is the absolute number one priority. And I love this idea that we need to shift that. And, you know, of course our kids are priority and we absolutely need to listen to what they're saying and, you know, cater for their needs, but not always at the expense of our own. And my parents in the 1970s and 80s were not organising their work hours around my schedule of after-school activities. That was unheard of back then. And these days it seems like the kids' needs come before the family's needs Mm. and before the parents' needs. I mean, we would never forget Saturday morning soccer or Tuesday night jazz ballet, but we've forgotten to have a life of our own. Teach us high-functioning parents, please, Susie, how we can be more (laughs) half-assed. Like what are are some of your top tips to live this more half-assed and, you know, less pressurised life? (laughs) Oh, well, I've got some, I've got a lot, uh, quite a few um, tips in the book. I bet you and do. It's about things like blocking people on social media who don't make you feel good about yourselves. It's about picking your friends so they don't greet you at the door with a catalogue of your failings. It's about taking the pressure off those around you so you're not automatically assuming that all the mums at the school gate are judging you and trying to see you as failing. And I think we have to accept that doing less parenting is a good thing because the level of parenting that we're doing at the moment has become so over the top that we can't fit everything in. And that's what's making us stress and that's what's making our kids anxious. So I say do half as much knowing that it's more than enough. Pick your battles Adopt a she'll be right attitude because mostly it is. I love that adopt a she'll be right attitude because I think one of your other tips was to quiet your head down. And I think one way to quiet your head down is to adopt that she'll be right attitude, which is, you know, just relax about it. Tell your head to quieten down a little bit. And I think for a lot of parents that, you know, do feel a bit pressured and hyper parent or helicopter parent, Just telling your head to quieten down and they'll be right is just a really nice calming mantra. (laughs) And and that idea that it's okay to be a good enough parent. I mean, you don't have to be a perfect parent. And, you know, if you're the kind of parent who, as I said, ruffles up the edge of cupcakes so that the mummy mafia thinks they're homemade, you know, the problem isn't your baking skills. The problem is the people that you're hanging around with and probably your attitude because, as I say, they're not judging you. And I think... We have to ignore bad advice and we have to trust our instincts and trust our gut to know that we got here, the kids are still alive, we're not doing a bad job. We have to trust our own instincts. It's like all the people who are asking me questions about the food or the activities or the screens, they actually know the answers to those questions anyway. So I think also social media, as I've said, you know, don't believe people who say they're hashtag blessed because they're probably hashtag full of crap. (laughs) And it is okay to do less. It is okay to cut corners, to diminish expectations and to underwhelm your loved ones. You don't (laughs) have to be hyper parents all the time. And let your kids be bored as well. I loved that tip because it's so true. You see your kids go through this phase of 
I'm bored and they're frustrated and you see that and then you see them come out the other side with this creative mind and they'll go and find something creative to do. It might be a bit messy, but you do see them go through that process and it's also calming for them as well, which I love. And also in them being bored and finding something to do often doesn't involve you. Whereas, you know, you compare it to the 1970s and 80s, you know, we did a lot of Lego as kids and we would just be given a box of Lego. You know, we were making our wonky constructions on the living room floor. These days, you know, the Lego is a $200 box of, you know, Mandalorian X-Wing Starfighter. Kids can't even do by themselves. It takes 12 hours of parental input (laughs) and, you know, you can't miss a page and you can't miss a step else. It doesn't work out. So at every turn, it almost feels like things are stacked against us as parents. And we have to step back and say, here's a box of Lego, go for gold. And then you don't want your kid to play with a Lego afterwards because it's cost you so much money and you don't want them to break it so it sits up on the shelf and collects dust and they never even get to play with it. <laughs> That's exactly right. And it's way too valuable to be played with. No. Because it might get broken because it costs you 200 bucks and it's, you took 12 hours to put together. <laughs> Finally, Dr. Susie, for a mum listening who might be like me, a self-confessed, slightly hyper, hyper parent who is also drowning in pressure, guilt and worry, What's the first step she can take to feeling better and adopting a little bit more of a half-assed approach? Well, at the end of the book, I've got some tips and here's a few of the tips. Just because it's on, you don't have to go. Just because it exists, you don't have to have it. Just because the kids want it, you don't have to buy it. Just because they ask you, you don't have to say yes. And it's time that we take care of ourselves the way we take care of everyone else. And I'm hoping that'll make people start feeling a little bit better. Oh, Susie, I am smiling and feeling a lot better just having had this chat with you today. What a great book. What a great life mantra. I am definitely going to adopt some half-assed parenting. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Healthy Her was presented by me, Amelia Phillips. Producer, Tina Matalov. Theme music composed by Matthew Dwyer. Executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more tips and insights on this topic, visit my show notes at ameliaphillips.com.au. If you like my podcast or think other mums might find it helpful, please spread the word by sharing a link to your network of fellow mums. And feel free to drop me a line on Instagram anytime. I'd love to hear from you. Listener.